on this episode of AV Week, bringing more private equity money into the industry, how the Mona Lisa is an AV product, and competition among, among manufacturers in the AV industry. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. This is AV Week, episode 621, recorded Friday, July 14th, 2023. Mona Lisa AV. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we can gather this week, first and foremost from Parts Unknown, because we can't say where she works, is the lovely and talented AV Dawn, Dawn Mead. Welcome, ma'am. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Uh, gentlemen, we can say where he works, where, at least where he's from and, and where he works, is uh, our, our, young, uh, our young friend Clint Hoffman, who is now at Lightwear uh, by way of New Jersey. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Tim. Glad to be here, man. And a brand new, uh, well, he's new to this show, but he's not new to the industry. Uh, you know him, you love him. Ryan Gray uh, from Yavapai. 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 Yavapai College uh, out in Arizona Way. Welcome, sir. Such a pleasure, Tim. Longtime listener, first time caller. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, you know Ryan from, he's got a number of podcasts. We'll talk about that at the end. Also heavily involved in the HEPMA community. So you that's also where you'll see him. Um, Really quickly, I should ask you this. Are you going to UCX? I am. I'll see you okay, there. Okay, so we'll, we'll talk about that at the end there because uh, I caused some trouble with our, our, our mutual friend, Mr. Neto, this week. Um, and we're going to get Chris to, to eat pineapple on pizza. I'm just saying. Uh, first story, we'll talk about that at the end. DMB Group announced that they have been acquired by Providence Equity Partners. Really quickly, the story that I sent a link out to this group and that Mitchell will use on, on the show notes it says in major investment. However, if you look at a couple of business article journals, it says acquired. So I don't know, but we're going to go with acquired because it's the company with the money. So uh, Providence Equity Partners at least thinks they acquired DMB. Uh, it's a private equity firm specializing, specializing in growth-oriented investments. Managing Director of Providence, Robert Sudo, said, quote, unquote, DNB bears the hallmarks of a classic Providence investment, clear market leadership, and loyal customers. Some other investments from Providence include Sweetwater, which I found fascinating, Clearing Events, and Outfront, which is a digital out-of-home uh, signage network. You can go to Providence's uh, Providence uh, Equity Partners website and see an entire list there's some very interesting things on there including a partnership with uh, uh football uh, european football uh, media partnership as well don we're gonna start with you on this not for nothing but you and i have been around the industry not quite as long as clint but but close um we've seen this before we've saw, we've watched that you and i have talked about this both on the record as well as just chatting at infocom what does more private equity and investment banking in the industry mean to the industry as well as to the, the AV end user and the AV buyer? I mean, obviously to the industry, hey, more money, more investment, more ability to do things. Um, you know, we've always been such a little niche kind of off to the side industry. Uh, my AV team here at Undisclosed Location always jokes that our entire AV budget for the entire enterprise is a rounding error. 
to this company, you know, so for, for thousands of rooms, that's a rounding error. So, you know, in the greater scheme of the world, AV has always been like nothing, you know, it's always been the unknown under the radar kind of yeah. thing. And the interest of, and not the money kind of interest, but the attention interest of all of these equity firms is nothing more than finally the rest of the world is catching up to what we've known forever. AV is awesome and you need us. You can't do a thing in the modern world without AV. Yeah. And people are recognizing that now and saying, hey, there's an opportunity here to make some money, to invest. And I mean, it sucked for everything else, but the pandemic has done one good thing for us. And that's the whole rise of the UCC becoming ubiquitous. You know, my 80 something mother now understands a little more. She doesn't think I just sell TVs at Best Buy anymore. You know, she gets it. Yeah. So, I, you know, that's that's where we're coming from the investment front. The more investment, the more private equity that buys into our industry, we've got more money to play with and we've got more recognition from at least the business world at whole on the whole, instead of just, you know, folks that know. Yeah. Clint, I want to bring you in on, on this. Clint's, uh, Clint, you, you probably know Clint from also from Kramer, which is, which is, you know, where I met him. He also used to work for Panasonic a number of years ago in, in the, in the integrator side and, and, and full disclosure, my, my day job is, is I run marketing for CTI out of St. Louis. That is that we're an integrator out of St. Louis, AVISPL, which would consider a, a competitor. They're owned by, by private equity, diversified owned by private equity. You've got Kramer now, uh, your former employer comes in as, as equity, as private equity. Don's right. Some of these companies have, have come in and said, Hey, we can make money off of this industry. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. And, and it's, it's just the way that, that, that the private equity side, right. Works, right. They, they make an investment. And I, I learned this from a couple of people who, who went through uh, AVISPL uh, in the early days. They have a timeline. They want to see and invest a return between five and six years. And if they can't see a return, well, then they do things like lay people off and, and sell things off that they probably shouldn't for, for the long-term health of the company. So from, from your perspective, Clint, what does this mean? Is this a good thing that people who make money for a living now see AV as a way to do that? So it's about managing expectations. And let me start by saying that uh, a couple of you folks told me when you went to kindergarten. So I shouldn't do this to myself, but I went to kindergarten in 67 and I've only worked in the pro AV industry my adult life. So so I've been in it a long time. And it used to be that um, that in, in companies inside the industry used to acquire other companies, whether it was yeah. integrators acquiring integrators or manufacturers acquiring manufacturers because they knew the business. Dawn said something that's very important. She said, uh, and, and I have a joke that almost ties into exactly what she said. My joke is that if you're in the pro AV industry and you go to a family reunion and your family comes up to you and says, so what do you do? And you say, well, I'm in the pro AV industry. Oh, okay. So Best Buy. And you're like, no, no, no. Get, get a classroom, get a conference room. And, and you got to go on and on. And by the time they're done, you're done. They're not interested because we're a boutique industry. Now, yes, we may be billions of dollars, but we're this boutique industry and we act in a very unusual way. So the challenge here is that private equity will acquire, acquire a company. They'll take what they did in the making T-shirts business or, the, or, or whatever else they did prior that they had success in. And they'll bring those principals and those management team in and say, here, go do this. And it's not going to work the way they think it works. And it's a huge challenge. And I'm a little concerned about all this private equity investment in the pro AV industry because uh, it just does not behave like any other business. 
I'm glad you said that because I, I have been hesitant to, to say that out loud and, and I am as well. And there are certainly some successes that we can all point to. Right. Uh, and, and I will, I will give credit where credit is due. SPL has, has made it really work really well for them. Right. Um, diversified's getting there, right. They, they've had a couple of hiccups. Um, but I feel more comfortable. I, this is going to sound weird. I, I'm not a big fan of, of big monopolies. Like, you know, Samsung bought Harman and that was, that hurt my soul. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, I, I love the, the fact that, that Crestron sponsored baby nation, but the fact that Crestron is still owned by a Feldstein. Right. I love the fact that Andrew Edwards is still, you know, involved in Extron that makes that, that does this old AV soul good. The private equity in the fact that they don't get, "Quote unquote," our business. I'm I'm a little bit with you with you, Clint. Yeah, you know, and some of them are probably very uh, good, and they'll learn it and they'll adapt. But I I worry that it's not going to meet their initial expectations. And I didn't mean to knock a particular market segment. No, 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 absolutely not. But these people that are, that that come that have worked in others other businesses, some some kind of retail uh, software. We just we are a very unique unique boutique industry, and and uh, and it's challenging. You know, it's it's very challenging challenging. Yeah. And I was going to just jump in and say, I agree with both of you. Um, that's the one caveat to all of this investment is, you know, the investment folks need to look at AV the way we keep telling the IT folks and the um, physical security folks and all of these other industries that keep trying to come in or merge structured cabling, what have you, is you can't just come in and buy it or merge with it and expect success. Yeah. You have to learn what you're doing. You have to learn about the industry it, you know, all the IT in the world, you'll be able to understand a portion of what we do. Same with the security, same with the what have you. But as a whole, we're pretty opaque. So you need to do a little digging and studying. Um, all right, Mr. Gray, from, from your perspective and, and, and on the AVs, on the, on the end user side, just like Dawn, what does stuff like this mean to you? Yeah, I would say, you know, it, it, it does remain, it's concerning. Uh, before I was in higher ed, I worked for a live event AV company partnered in hotels and conference centers. Yep. And in the hospitality industry at that time, we saw a lot of private equity come in. And I will like you exactly what you said, the private equity that came in that really built synergy around hospitality and understood really was able to do amazing things with properties. And the ones that saw it as, at the time, kind of real estate that could increase just for that, but they weren't that interested in the operation, yeah. struggled and those things went. So that's looking at this particular private equity. It, it seems like they are trying to build some synergy around media or some other things, but there, there's quite a portfolio there. So I would just, I would add that. I really hope they want to dig their teeth into how this industry works and see it all the way to, you know, kind of the end user perspective, because I think that's kind of what's going to continue to draw and drive demand. Yeah, I would I would agree with that absolutely. Uh, next story is Lightware and Sennheiser works for Lightware, uh, and Sennheiser is a, a sponsor of Aviation. Lightware and Sennheiser have joined forces in a strategic partnership aimed at bolstering their capil capabilities in the realm of unified communications and collaboration by combining combining their respective expertise in AV technology. Lightware's state of the art matrix switchers will be integrated with Sennheiser's premium audio solutions to create a comprehensive UCC ecosystem. By combining their strengths, Lightware and Sennheiser demonstrate their commitment to shaping the future of UC. Clint, we're going to start with you, not for nothing, but this is your, your, your guys. This is your dance. What can we learn from, from cooperative partnerships like this 
when it comes to the industry where where it felt for a minute, right? I'm thinking mid 2010s where everybody wanted to do everything, right? Where suddenly, you know, this company over here is making speakers who 100 years ago they didn't. Um, what can we learn from from cooperative partnerships like this? I think that uh, what we can learn is that the companies like ours and, and the companies we're working with are starting to understand what you just said. And that is that it's more about the the user and making sure that we give the user what they need to be successful. And and that doesn't mean going out and developing a, uh, a skill that you don't have. Uh, it means yeah. about going out and finding people that do that really well and partnering with them. We have a entire team uh, called the AV integration team now within Lightware that's dedicated to this. And, and basically what what they did here, and we're going to do it with other uh, companies as well as Sennheiser, is you know, Sennheiser's uh, microphones can detect where voice is coming from in zones. And people's cameras, uh, many, many cameras out there, can, can set up different uh, presets. So we have intelligence built into our switcher, which lives in the middle. So what we do is we use that intelligence to tie the presets of the camera to the zones of the microphone. And then what you're getting rid of is, is this seasick effect when the camera's like doing, trying to figure out where it's going. It just goes to where it needs to go and it's precise and it's direct and it's like a cut instead of a, uh, you know, a fade. And uh, uh, so, so that's what we're doing. And, and the reason we're doing it is because, yeah, we have, it's, it's all for the end user and understanding that we have uh, a proficiency and Sennheiser has a proficiency. Let's combine our efforts to make it better for the end user. All right, Ryan, from your perspective as an end user, you know, what do cooperative, cooperative partnerships like this mean to, to, to you guys? Yeah, I, so we love things like this. Uh, and to your point a little while ago, it, as an end user at my place as an in-house integrator, we, you know, everybody was trying to pull us into their ecosystem and there are still forces trying to do that. You come to us, you can get everything from us. And some things are good and some things aren't as good. So uh, we really, really like it when people with expertise partner together to bring us these solutions so that we can evaluate and look at how they work uh, in the real world. So that's kind of when I when I read this, I said, this is when when this is ready and it's shipping, I need it on my campus. I want to see how it works. I want to put it in front of our people and add that these are the sorts of things that advance the next layer of education. That is every student, every room, every class recorded, I can see, I can hear. And that way it's transcribed. It's accessible. It's yeah. there. If I miss class that day, it doesn't matter. And this level of technology enables us to do that. And on top, I really appreciate companies using their expertise to stay ahead of kind of what the platforms are building in you. Know, Zoom is bringing out intelligent director and they have their own audio stuff and the software and those platforms are trying to do it. But I think nothing beats having really high quality hardware from companies that have spent generations sometimes, especially in the case of Sennheiser, right? You're talking about generations perfecting oh, yeah. what they do and bringing it to the forefront. And, and so when you can partner together and say, I'm not leaving it to you guys to make this work together, we are building the pathway to make it work. It really, uh, it looks really attractive to kind of the end user. Yeah. You, you mentioned something there about, about the, the, the classes and the, and the instruction and stuff like that. This is, this is going to go back 18 years probably. Mm -hmm. um, it was an edge cause that I went to. I was a, I was a tech manager at the time, right? And, and it was one of the first iterations of classroom capture, as well as um, the ability to transcribe and arc and, and, and index. Mm -hmm. So a instructor could go in and go. I talked about you know Shakespeare's you know Macbeth, whatever, 
and and giving that you know that that feedback today is even more important for that transcription and that that recording for learning learning management software to be able mm -hmm. to integrate the two of them and give it to a to a, a, a student because that's what they've grown up with the last four or five years and that's what they've been come to expect but from from their university absolutely and I, to partner with that you know right now the the move to online you know an asynchronous online instruction is huge and one of the things that's attractive is that entire course content is available to me every week every module the entire semester yeah and we're trying to get students back on campus and use technology to do it because the outcomes are better for students that are in person, especially in our, and so this is one of the ways we're doing, I can give you the same thing. Every word that was spoken is there. Every slide is indexed. And if I need a particular part between my Panopto, my canvas, I can have a search bar and find exactly what I want, but it doesn't work if I'm not putting hardware and, and, and intelligent related hardware in classrooms to make that information come in with fidelity every time. Don, um, from education end user to corporate, you know, end user, what what do partnerships like this mean mean to you in, in your organization? Well, for me personally, it's a feeling of satisfaction because if you go back however many years it was, we were going to all these ecosystems and look at some of our old AV weeks. Uh, I distinctly remember at my last integrator saying this exact thing that, uh, yeah, it's great to have one finger to point at, you know, a company, but at the end of the day, everybody has a specialty, you know, I'm not going to hire a general physician to, you know, operate on a particular organ, or I'm not going to hire a specialist on, you know, the appendix to drill my teeth, you know, I'm going to go to a dentist. And so, you know, you want to be able to have the unique specialties that they have built their careers on and have the best of the best. And it doesn't matter how many departments you buy or how many departments you add or build in your company, you're never going to be the best of everything all at once. So I'm excited about that. I was proven right. Thank you very much. Um, but for the company itself, it's exciting because I had to leave Infocom early. I didn't get to see the show floor, but my boss did. And the first thing he said when he came back to me, I asked him, how was the show? He said, it was awesome. Every booth I went into the company was partnering with at least one other company for their products or for their demos or for their experience. Yeah. He said, and it was fantastic seeing these partnerships and how they all work together. So, you know, just from the corporate front, it's exciting. And I mean, come on, the manufacturers and the end users, we all center around who? Integrators. What do integrators do? They integrate. So this is exciting. You know, we're, 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 you can't just go to Best Buy or, or Google or, or Amazon or wherever and buy a plug and play all in one does everything. Yeah, we're kind of going towards that with all the speaker bars and things for UCC. But even at those, the rest of the built environment will need integration. And I, I think it's a wonderful trend. I think corporately, um, it allows you to if you run into a supply chain problem with a particular manufacturer, sub it out for a different manufacturer that has something equivalent and, you know, have the system work the same. So I'm highly in favor and very excited about it. All right. Uh, last story we tried to get to last week, but I was threatened uh, within an inch of my life by Dawn Mead <laughs> if we didn't get to this one. So now we are. Uh, the world's largest 16K LED screen made its debut on the 4th of July captivating audiences with its stunning visuals the msg sphere spans a 60 foot tall 100 foot wide massive display uh it was unveiled in the u.s 
boasting breathtaking image quality and vibrant colors. Uh, the Sphere uh, Studio worked with Seven Sense to deliver programming to the Sphere. Uh, the screen's debut marked a milestone in the world of visual displays, pushing the boundaries of what is possible and offering a glimpse into the future. The, uh, the Sphere actually will debut as a venue this fall with you too. Yeah. So, Ryan, we'll start with you on this. Uh, I'm not going to say it's just up the road from you, but you're closer than the, th- the other three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've not been on, if you've not seen this, Mitchell's going to put a link to the, to the videos. Holy cow, right? They started with the fireworks and a U.S. flag uh, display, and, and they've done everything under the sun. Um, I think Joe Way posted a picture of them putting a, a Pro Tools uh, timeline yeah. on it, which just made this old radio producer's heart very glad. Um, th- this is art and, and science together, right? This is art and AV. This is the experience that Avixa has been talking about for years. Where else do we see it? And, and how excited are you uh, about this specific, you know, installation? So I was so excited to see this article on here. I, I cannot tell you how I am geeking out about this. I can't see enough videos of it. And if you want, I'm waiting. My daughter's first semester of college ends December 9th. We're seeing you two on December 16th, on oh. December 13th, and then to their to their built-in show the following night. Because I want to yeah. see all that as being created. I can't wait to see what's done on one of these degrees behind me. Actually, or one of my bachelor's degree is in, is in art and a new canvas, a new, it is a new medium that will unlock creativity. Right. I I tell people sometimes, right. The uh, art has always been AV, right. The Mona Lisa is AV. It's just that oil paint was all that was available to use at the time. So the delivery medium becomes the message. The delivery medium becomes the art. And this opens up a whole other realm. The other thing I would say is it, don't we, we don't have to sleep on spectacle. Sometimes something they may make, we, it doesn't have to be art for it to be awesome. And so from it, it opens up ideas that we, we have a new building that we're in programming for. And I've been sending our marketing vice president pictures of that going, I think we need to do a redesign. Why build a, a rectangle building when we could do something like this in the future? Um, but it will it, it, it in our world, and especially in higher education, it really helps um, take what you said. It, it says what we need to do is control the environment and control the experience and c- craft the experiences for students that we want them to have based upon what we could do, not what you've seen before. And so things like this that break the paradigm um, are just are just amazing. Um, I'm waiting for two things on it, which is the things they're putting on the outside. I love it opens up so much creativity. Oh, One, yeah. any chance they got a camera system on the inside where they could make it invisible so you could actually see through to the inside as what's going on and or the other side of it so you can see through it to the hotel that's across like those sorts of things about what all can you do with something on this scale i think every av person should just be completely geeked out about it so you you're what you're talking about is making it virtually invisible at that point absolutely holy cow because so what you show and what you don't show, right, speaks volumes. It's the same yeah. thing when we design AV in a space. What's a screen and what's not? And yeah. why is just as important. It's just as important where you don't put pixels as where you do put pixels. And this thing it just begs you to rethink how you make those decisions for projects going forward. All right. Now you're giving me some more to think about. 
Uh, Don, you and I are, are two of the biggest uh, promoters, lovers of OLED. Uh, this is not OLED, so don't misunderstand, but Don has a, a love affair with, with, with pixels in general. When you see this, where, where, else, where else do you take this when, in the world of AV? Well, first of all, I'm just a general AV geek. And <laughs> I think that's given at this point. Um, so this story ties in really well with one that I saw, one of the AV magazines that came through my email feed every day, um, talking about like the drones mm. and the fact that people mm -hmm. were using drones to do, I think the, the video that was attached to the article I read was uh, Dragon yeah. in China. Yeah. They, they had for their Dragon Festival and they had dragons flying over Beijing or wherever it was. Um, and, but what was cool was from that, I, of course, being an AV geek, I rabbit holed and immediately found a bunch of other videos of drones doing cool things. And one of them is like Ryan just said, where you put the pixels and where you don't. Because instead of forming the outline of whatever, it was like a solid picture and the negative space was the image. It was like a ballet dancer. And I was oh. like, oh, like that was so cool. You know, this whole experiential AV thing is so exciting i've been thrilled since the first time however many years ago that i went to disney and they projection mapped the castle mm -hmm. you know and now projection mapping i mean it happens in neighborhoods and yeah. and you know it's become so much more common and these big major av things that get people excited that get people involved and get people going oh, that's the best thing for our industry even better than venture capitalists because it gives our attention to our industry and i mean I can't wait to go to Infocom next year to be back in Vegas. I can tell you last year when they were building the sphere, uh, I rode the monorail, which goes right by the site oh where God. the sphere is. Mm -hmm. And I was not the only AV geek for Infocom on the monorail at that point. And they were putting up the outside LEDs. And every one of us was on that side of the train with our faces pressed to the glass going, oh, whoa, look, oh, wow. I wonder who that is. And, you know, geeking out on the whole thing. So, um, I, I, I will admit, in a recent uh, webinar, I did submit the question to Mr. Lebuskis, who was the guest on the webinar, about whether or not a tour of the Sphere would be among the tech tours. I said, I can't speak for anyone else, but I will pony up even more than the normal cost to go and see that sucker behind 100%. the scenes. I don't know that it's going to happen this year, but he is aware that there is interest. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hit, I, Mr. Lebuskis. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he would be... Uh, Dave's also a geek, so I, I, I think that he also we probably already got that. Uh, Clint, th this does give us a little bit more credence than explaining to our relatives what we do. Exactly. Right? We, we, yeah. could, we could, we could we point, point to the sucker and go, "That's what we do," right? Exactly. Um, how, how do you get? I mean, MSG, you know, MSG stands for Madison Square Garden Group, right? Um, so, so they're the ones who who spent the the plus one billion dollars for this sucker. How do you get other customers in on the on the expense of the experience of AV? So I think it's, it's I'd love to have like a really intelligent answer to that, but it's it's happening. I mean, there are some other experience based uh, wonders out there. Illuminarium, if you look up mm, Illuminarium yeah. or mm -hmm. War Studios, W-O-R-E. Um, so there's more and more of this. We're going from being just really strictly a utilitarian type of uh, industry to now, as you guys have all said, the experience. And, uh, and, and if the money's there, I think it may have said $2 billion in development. Yeah. And then it's like, just, just staggering. You know, who, who says let's spend $2 billion uh, for this uh, audio visual experience, but Hey, 
if, if, if that's where it, I'm glad it's going that way and it's more and more opportunity for us to expand our business, our market, our presence and our profile yeah. in the world. Yeah. And Tim, I, I think the answer to that is the sh- sell out the shows that happen there, right? People yeah. will spend money on it if the seats are filled with people. And that's one of the reasons I looked at it is when can we get there? Cause not only do I need to see it, but, but, if if that thing draws people in, sells out shows, fills hotel rooms, you know, says Las Vegas, you don't need to go to Dubai because Las Vegas has what you need. That's how, you know, I mean, we'll see that. So if you're out there listening, get to Las Vegas and let's go see what this thing can do. Well, and see, that's the other thing, right? And this is not just a, a pretty picture right in the middle of Vegas. It is a concert venue and it is unlike any other concert venue in the world mm-hmm. in that. And I am going to get this wrong, so don't anybody at me. But every single seat has its own audio profile because it is a sphere, because it is in the, you know, it's a, it's a bowl. Right. And, um, an engineer friend of mine here at at CTI explained to me that when they make a change to the audio DSP, it takes between two and three days to process it again. Right. And if anybody's ever processed a DSP, right, you hit you hit enter, and you know five minutes later it's it's done processing. No, no, no. This is two days of processing to make a change. Yeah, there was I there was a a little thing of you know a, a U two Edge and Bono touring through, and they were talking a little bit about it. And it's that this is not a venue where you're going to come you know bring your truck in and crank up your line <laughs> array yep. and crank it out the next day, right? It is a bespoke built experience. Yeah. And one of the, it, they they talked a lot about you know concert and reproducing audio art is usually at this scale is done in. Um, Foot in stadiums built for sports, yeah. not for this sort of thing. So to have a purpose-built space saying we want, we are by individual, we are going to control the auditory, the visual, and we know also now the haptic, you know, the, the wind movement experience is, is thrilling. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and to Ryan's point, I think that, well, I think it'd be silly if people don't buy tickets to the sphere, but just the experiential AV in general if you've been to Disney or Universal mm-hmm. in Orlando and tried to get near Hogwarts or Cinderella's castle during their projection mapping show, it's body to body to body every mm-hmm. single night. If you try to get tickets to go see the immersive Van Gogh or the immersive Monet that, you know, those are AV experiences, body to body sold out all the time, trying to get tickets, same thing. And I think I believe this is going to be the same. And even even to, to the new roller coasters at some of the parks, where if you're riding it and they have speakers right in the in the harness, you know, and have the wind and the haptic and everything to go along with it, all of that, all of that's AV, and all of that is like those are the longest lines in the park. So yeah, people are going to go to this. <laughs> I want to go to it really badly, um, and it can only benefit the whole industry. And that's to drop one other example. So we were uh, on a visit down to Arizona State University and they've formed a partnership with DreamWorks to make a company called Dreamscape that does, you know, virtual reality, 3D with practical effects, um, things in it. And now they, they ran a study. They, they, they do biology 101. Half of them have this experiential narrative part into it. Half of them didn't. And the ones that did all 
performed better. So they now every first year biology class has this experiential AV driven thing to it because it produces better educational outcomes because it's not just, it's cool looking. It's the narrative, the story, it's the art behind it that really draws students in, engages them, experience creates engagement. And so the, this is how, you know, in terms of some of these things, we can drive the future of these industries by driving the experiences that people have. That's awesome. Yeah, if you're if you're watching and you're from a corporate thing, don't be like, well, we don't make castles and we don't make roller coasters and we don't make concert venues, so it doesn't apply to us. No, because like you said, schools, mm -hmm. that's training. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm not pointing to any particular industry, but some government and military type applications for their, you know, training and for their practical things. Uh, you know, there's lots of opportunities, even courts and things, yep. uh, you know, within within the commercial world. There, there's application. So next year, our first beginning welding students start in virtual reality before they do to learn safety and those sorts of things wow. before they even nice. touch something out there. There are applications for almost every conceivable need. Yeah, absolutely. All right, gang, that will be uh, that for it for this week. Thank you all so much, Don Mead. Uh, thank you so much. How do people connect with you? You can always find me online on all the socials at avdawn um, or Dawn Mead, M-E-A-D-E. And you can find me teaching at Infocom or showing up on AV Nation or wandering around anywhere there's cool AV hanging around. That, that, that and if you know where to find me, you can find me. But that's it's a different story. <laughs> all right. Mr. Hoffman, good to see you, sir. Thank you for having me. How do people connect with you and or Lightware? www.lightware.com or you can reach me at uh, clint.hoffman, H-O-F-F-M-A-N at lightware.com. All right. Very good. Mr. Gray, thank you, sir. Uh, we appreciate it. You're fantastic. Uh, how do people find you or, or Yavapapai? Yavapapai. Yavapai. <laughs> Yavapai. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll drop the plugs were cool. search for me on LinkedIn. You'll find me on Twitter. It's Ryan underscore a underscore gray. I've been trying to get rid of the underscores. It's hard to do. Um, I certainly connect with me uh, at Hetma, Hetma.org. It's not just for people in higher ed. We have all sorts of industry partners and membership is free. And then I'll plug a podcast, the AVIT amplifier. You can find it at higheredav.com, um, which uh, is, uh, is a whole new set of media that we're putting out there. So talking about AV and, and AV adjacent things. All right. Very good. Thank you, sir. And we will see him uh, at the, the uh, UCX uh, in USA. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on the Twitters uh, because right now I'm trolling Chris Netto. Uh, yeah. But go by the website, if you would, please. Avionation.tv. That's avionation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, according to Mitchell, we have a new uh, XR star coming down the pipeline that was just recorded this week, as well as a host of others. I mentioned UCX Expo. Um, if you want to hang out with us, these are the two places the next six, well, next three, two months, three months. I can't count. I'm in marketing, guys. I don't do math. Um, first is Cedia and CI Expo, September 7th. 8th and 9th. That is in Denver, uh, Colorado. So we'll be hanging out there. And then the UCX uh, USA, uh, first time the UCX, uh, the UC Expo folks are doing the States here, uh, September 13th and through the and 14th. Uh, Ryan will be there along with the, the a group from HETMA. Uh, Chris Netto will be there. Uh, lots of really great folks. Um, I'm moderating a panel it says I'm speaking. That's not accurate. I'm basically doing what I do on AV Week, which is asking smart people dumb questions and they still let me do that and people still answer the questions. So 
that's what I'm doing. Uh, but that's in Austin, the, the 13th and 14th of September. Um, if you're not going, Aviation will have coverage of it. But if you are, come hang out. Come hang out with the HEPMA folks. Um, and let's just inundate Chris Netto with pineapple pizza. Uh, and that's all I have to say about that. So all that and more at Aviation.tv. That's Aviation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.